morning, everyone. Welcome, welcome to Noblesville First. We're so excited you're joining us for worship this morning. We're going to kick it off as we do each week with some music. Why don't you stand and join us as we sing together? You are 
hand, we invite you to turn and pass the peace of Christ to those around you. And if you're joining us online, hi. Give us a hi in the chat to let us know you're here.
Amen. Good morning. Morning. Welcome. Welcome to our 11 o'clock contemporary worship service. I am Pastor Jill. Welcome also to those watching our live stream this morning. want to make sure you know of a few things happening. It is our second Sunday of Lent and therefore our second week of our series on the Lord's Prayer. And I invite you, if you have not yet done so already, on your way out to pick up a children's book that we are giving. There it is, most important prayer of all. They're free. Pick one or two or three for the young people in your life to, uh, to read to them that we might share the Lord's Prayer with them together. And today we will welcome a message from Pastor Matt, who will be giving us the sermon today on our second week of Lent. We have a new lead pastor. If you haven't heard the news already, she was announced a few weeks ago. Reverend Nicole Caldwell-Gross will be coming to us on August 1st. So make sure to go on our Facebook page to welcome her. I think we're still kind of competing with her outgoing church, St. Luke's, to give her well wishes as she leaves them and comes to us. So make sure to check that out as well as one of her sermons. And respite night is coming up on Saturday. I know the volunteer training has happened, but if you are interested in helping out that evening, please contact our children's director, Allie Hall, and she'll get you set up. And speaking of that, Easter is, of course, coming up. We have an extravaganza planned for April the 16th out at Teeter Farm, and the children's ministry is collecting donations for that, so take note of that on the back of your bulletin. First Friday luncheon's coming up on April the 1st. Then, of course, our Holy Week schedule is listed on your bulletin as well. So we hope that you will take some time this coming week to figure out how you can get plugged in and volunteer at Noblesville First. And this week's stewardship moment is featuring our confirmation class. So let's take a look. Hi, my name is David McKenzie. Uh, I'm the student ministry director here at Noblesville First United Methodist. What is confirmation? Confirmation is the first time uh, we make our public proclamation of our baptismal vows. Uh, so we're making a public proclamation, confirmation of our faith uh, and that we intend to walk in that relationship with Jesus Christ uh, and walk in grace. It's a time where you can experience the fruits of intentionally uh, seeking a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, so if you have questions about confirmation or, or why it uh, may make sense for you, or, or even if it's just something you're, you're wanting to just get more information on, uh, please, please reach out to me, Pastor Jill, or anybody here at Noblesville First. Hi, I'm Pastor Jill Moffitt, and I am currently teaching confirmation. We've been meeting since January. We've been covering topics such as why United Methodists. We've been learning about the grace of God. We've been learning about the ways that United Methodists serve, the way we pray. We've had guest speakers. We've been learning about the history of the church and all the reasons why the United Methodist Church is still a vital part of our world today. So I've really enjoyed working with these students. They've been inquisitive, they're curious and open to learning. The mentors have been fantastic and the parents have been very supportive as well. Uh, my name is Tyler D. I like learning a lot about the history of the church. I've learned about the history, like a lot about um, John Wesley and like his background and like the story, the founding. I feel like learn more about Jesus and like help advance my faith. So we plan to have our confirmation worship service on Sunday, March 20th at 2 o'clock p.m. in the sanctuary. All are invited to attend as we celebrate our youth. We have six confirmands and they have been working really hard with their mentors and class and asking those tough questions so they get closer to God and to live into a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I'm very excited for this group and I hope that you are too. Thanks for all of your support. Amen. 
Good morning. Welcome again to worship here at Noblesville First. I'm Matt Hantelman, one of the pastors here at Noblesville First. I'm really glad that you're joining us for worship this morning. We're continuing our series this morning on the Lord's Prayer. Last week we learned what it meant for a name to be hallowed. And this morning we're going to be talking about the kingdom of God and God's will as we discuss your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I feel like this is an incredibly, it's just an incredible sentence as I think it sums up so succinctly what we should be striving for in our lives today. I believe that the work we should be doing as Christians on earth is making the world here and now look more and more like the kingdom of God we will experience then. A kingdom, we're told, has no hunger and no thirst and no tears with a light that never goes out and a gate that never closes. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like finding a treasure in a field and then reburying it and going and selling everything you have to buy that field. He says, essentially, nothing you could ever find on earth as an earthly possession could ever be worth keeping instead of finding the kingdom of God. Now, as Americans, we don't really think in terms of kingdoms, Right? The idea of a monarchy isn't something most of us are used to living in, and I'm guessing that the vast majority of us have never sworn fealty to an earthly king. But one of the things that kingdoms, even God's kingdom and the United States and really all systems of the world have in common is that they really only work if everyone is on board with the system. In fact, our history is littered with examples where groups of people were not on board with the system they lived in, and those situations rarely had a lot of peace attached to them. So if we truly want God's kingdom to come, we have to realize that it takes our participation. So one of the first things I want us to recognize about this section of the Lord's Prayer this morning is that it is as much a promise as it is a request. And don't get me wrong, I am guilty of praying this prayer and getting to this line and thinking, yeah, God, if you could just like take care of the whole kingdom part, if you could just like reach down and make everything around me look like the way you want it to look, that'd be great. But that's not how societies work, let alone kingdoms. In fact, if God did step in and just make everything the way he wanted and change everything around us, I think we might find that we're the ones that are no longer on board with the system. Because Part of it is going to be changing ourselves. Part of praying and promising to make the world look more like God's kingdom is realizing that we are a part of the world that needs transformation. Whenever we talk about heaven in our Thursday worship discussion group, we're always, they always say, wouldn't it be great if we could just be there right now? And I always surprise them when I say, no. Because... My understanding of what is coming is a place with no tears and no hunger and no anger and no jealousy, which is a great thing, but also part of things that are part of me right now. If you were to pick me up and drop me in heaven, but those things like anger and jealousy and pride were not allowed, then you would not be able to take all of me with you. Because that is part of who I am right now. I have those things in me. And so to be placed there would be to strip a good chunk of who I am. But that's why I'm thankful that God is patient with us here, giving us the time to learn and to grow and to transform, to try to work for me specifically, to work away from the anger that I deal with. And realize that in the kingdom to come, there is no place for that. So I need to take the time now to work on it so I'm not that way 
then. So we need to look inside of ourselves and grow into being more loving and more grace-filled and more inviting. Being an active participant in the Lord's Prayer also means realizing that things exist in us, in you, in me, that don't have that place. Those things that we mentioned, the anger, the jealousy, the pride, the retaliation, those are all things that Jesus spoke about in the Sermon on the Mount right before he gets to this prayer. And he doesn't mince words about it either. If I were to take what Jesus said and try to kind of modernize it for today, it might sound like this. He might say, you know, I know that you all know that murder is wrong. And so you puff yourselves up and you say, I haven't murdered anyone. I did it. But I'm here to tell you that even the anger you have for your neighbor is breaking not only your relationship with them, but it's breaking your relationship with God. Or you know you're supposed to be a faithful spouse, so you're proud that you've never acted on any of those thoughts you've had. But does having those thoughts help your marriage or hurt it? Does lusting after your coworker make the community you're trying to build there better? In Christianity, we have a blanket word to describe these things that don't have a place in our lives as we move towards kingdom living. And that is sin. Now, this is a hugely loaded word. We have a couple of those this morning, loaded words. Because it's held many definitions throughout history of varying credibility. If we were to take a poll this morning in this group, I would imagine that we would get as many answers and definitions as we have people for exactly what sin is. Now, I do think they'd center around some common themes, right? Like bad or immoral or anti-God or, or whatever. So this morning, I'd like to center us a little bit and, and offer you the definition that I t- typically use. It comes from a theologian named Cornelius Plantinga Jr. And he says, sin is a culpable disturbance of shalom. Shalom is one of those other loaded words. It's a Hebrew word that means peace, but it is so much deeper than that. I think we could probably do an entire sermon, if not an entire series, on the deepness of a word like shalom. For our purposes, I invite you to think of shalom as the peacefulness that God intended and intends for creation. It is the harmony of Eden before the fall and the harmony of the kingdom that is coming. It contains the ideas of completeness and wholeness and tranquility and prosperity It is the way God wants it to be for us. And so Plantinga Jr. says that sin is the ways that your actions interrupt or disturb that shalom. What you do that leads the world away from the world looking like God's kingdom. He says, God hates sin, not just because it violates his law, but more substantively because it violates shalom, because it breaks the peace, because it interferes with the way things are supposed to be. I think this definition has the necessity of moving past just a list of do's and don'ts and approaches a discussion on what living like we are in God's kingdom today looks like. Sin defined this way moves away from the more modern idea that sin is yours alone and moves back towards the understanding we find in the early Jewish and Christian communities that sin is ultimately communal. It is something that affects those around you and not just you. It is not held inside of you, but bleeds into the capillaries of the communities around you. This is why your seemingly internal anger can be sin, because it doesn't just affect you. 
It affects how your community, how it affects your community, and how you engage with it. That's why your lust can be sin for the same reasons, and why more legalistic ideas of what foods to eat or whether or not to go to the movies might be missing some of the point of what we should be contemplating when it comes to kingdom living. This is also why I struggle with churches who spend an inordinate amount of time talking about sin, specifically when the focus is simply, don't do that. Here's a list of things that you should not do. When we frame sin instead as a disturbance of shalom, of God's peace, of well, the way it's supposed to be, our responsibility should not be simply not disturbing the peace. But it should be being an active participant in creating it. That's what praying your kingdom come is. It is our promise to be peacemakers and a cry for strength to do so. And... The prayer even contains how to be peacemakers. It gives you instructions. Isn't that nice of it? Your kingdom come, your will be done. There's the instructions. <laughs> Just do God's will. Easy, right? I'll even tell you, I'll give you a hint on how to figure out God's will. Paul tells us about it in Romans 12. He says, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you can figure out what God's will is, what is good and pleasing and mature. There you go. Everybody got it? We can go home now? <laughs> no? Just don't conform, transform, renew, reduce, reuse. That, that joke didn't go over in either service. I think that... <laughs> Okay, and then you'll know what God's will is. It's a sermon in three easy steps. That's what everyone wants. And while a verse like this has been one of my favorite verses for as long as I can remember, it's also been a thorn in my side for my entire ministry career. Because it does seem like it should be easy. But it feels like, no matter how much I try to transform and renew... I don't feel like I'm any closer to knowing the next step. In our Thursday worship discussions for the past eight weeks or so, we've been talking about God's plan. A big overarching plan of the, of the whole universe and time, as well as whether or not God has a specific step-by-step -step plan for your life as well. Which led me to some deep dive studying into the Greek Excuse me, in Hebrew languages. And as it turns out, Greek has two primary words that we use to translate the word will, as in God's will. And they are bulamai and philema. Hands up if you knew that word before today. Jerry only knows because I told him about it earlier this week. <laughs> he did his research. <laughs> These have fairly distinct meanings from each other. Bulamai describes the settled, logical desire or plan, something that you're going to work to make happen. This is a thing that you have just you thought about, and you said, this is what I'm going to do, step by step, and this is how it works. This is the word that in the Bible is used to describe God's overarching plan for the universe and does not take us to make it happen. Right? So this is like the plan to create the universe. Y'all didn't have any part in that. Right? This is God doing God's thing. At the end of time, when judgment comes, I, I'm guessing here, don't get me wrong, I'm guessing Jesus is not going to be like, hey, Jerry, why don't you come up here and help me figure out which of these people are good and not. Right? These are the parts of the plan that God does not need you to do. God's going to take care of it. That's Bulamai. Thelema, on the other hand, is a more emotionally charged word. This could be described as meaning more of like wish or heart's desire. This is what God desires for you, what he wants for you as his child. But you have to interact 
to make it happen. It's what God wants, but will not force on humanity. You might think of Bulamai as a parent saying, you're going to med school whether you like it or not. My plan. (laughs) You don't get to choose. And Thelema as a parent saying, I just want you to be happy. Which they're going to help, but you ultimately have to take a part in helping fulfill that desire. We find both of these words in Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. So this is after the Lord's Supper. Jesus knows he's been betrayed. He knows the guard is coming to take him away to his death. And so he goes to the garden to pray, and he prays, Father, if it is your will, your bulamai, this is that plan, that settled, we know what's going to happen plan. If it's in your plan, take this cup of suffering away from me. However, not my thalema, my heart desire, what I want and wish, but what you do be done. Father, if that plan that you had for the path of history involves me getting out of this, let's get snapping (laughs) because people are coming. But ultimately not what I want, but what you want. God has a wish, a desire, a dream for your life and every life. He has a dream for how he wants the world to interact and exist. He wants, he yearns for shalom for his people. But he's not going to force it. The catch is that Thelema takes us. It's not a peace that God is going to make happen. It involves us choosing love and mercy and grace. And this, Thelema, the heart desire of God, this is the will that we can know in Romans 12.2. It says, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you can figure out what God's Thelema is, what his heart desire is, what is good and pleasing and mature, which brings me back to my frustration with not knowing the next step. What I've come to realize is that the will of God in this verse isn't about a specific next step. It's not a to-do list written in invisible ink that if I strain really hard, I might be able to make out the next piece. It's about what God desires for humanity and the whole World, And we know so much about the heart desire of God. It's littered throughout the scripture. We know that it's focused on love. We know that it involves the things we talked about at the beginning of no hunger and no thirst and no tears. We know from the stories and the examples of Jesus that it involves being a neighbor to everyone to loving our enemies and forgiveness and mercy in abundance. It involves being a steward to the earth and its non-human inhabitants too. And it is worth more than any human riches that if you find it, you should sell everything if if that's what it takes to get it. Now, that's an allegory. Do you actually have to sell everything to buy a piece of land because that's where the kingdom is? No. But it might involve giving up, sacrificing what you thought the plan was to find that kingdom instead. What is good and pleasing and mature is the heart desire of God for the world. And we can know that. It doesn't necessarily involve taking a specific next step, but it does make sense that it would take both transformation and renewal of our minds. We need to want what God wants. We need to love like God loves. We need to see the world as God sees it, as part of a beautiful creation. We need to desire the shalom that God intended from the beginning. 
And this is the will that we pray for in the Lord's Prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven is also philema. It is the heart desire of God. Which makes sense because you don't need to pray your bulamai be done. God's got that part covered. You don't have a part in that. That's the plan that's going to happen. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven is our part. How we connect with the heart of God and help bring shalom back to the world. My hope for all of you as you leave here today is that you will be burdened. That you will be burdened with the need for transformation and renewal. That you will identify the places in your own life that you are responsible for breaking shalom and replace those things with activities and actions and thoughts that instead make you a peacemaker that work toward a world that look more and more like God's kingdom. Amen. Amen. Now let us enter into a time of prayer. I invite you to pray silently as we reflect upon the words that Pastor Matt shared with us. Then we'll move into a pastoral prayer and then we'll say the Lord's Prayer together. Let us pray. Holy God, we come into this space as imperfect people seeking to do your will. And Lord, we know that we are called to strive for that perfection in some way, even though we know how difficult that is. But as long as we are seeking your will, your heart, we're on the right path. And so, Lord, we come today perhaps confessing the ways in which we have disturbed that shalom, that peace in our world. We confess the times that we have failed to seek your will and instead have sought our own. And, Lord, as we are in this journey of Lent, may we take that time to reflect, to pray for transformation. And to pray that we might be a part of rebuilding your kingdom right here. May our prayer, O Lord, today be that you will renew us and transform us from the inside out. That we might be peacemakers in a world that is so in need of that news. So Lord, today as we pray for peace, as we seek your shalom and your will, we are mindful that we are a world torn apart by war. We lift up our brothers and sisters of the Ukraine for all nations who fear war and violence. We pray for our communities and for those who are hurting and seeking a way to become better, to be healed, to become new. We ask your spirit to be upon all of those we lift to you in our hearts today. Whether that person is suffering from an illness, whether it's stress or anxiety, whether it's someone who feels broken and is seeking restoration. We pray for our children this morning, for those who can just taste summer but perhaps still feel that anxiety of school and family situations. We pray for our community leaders. We pray for our church as we are entering into a time of transition. We pray for our new lead pastor and her family and for Pastor Jerry as he transitions into a new season of his life. And during this Lenten season, may we continue our journey through the desert to the cross, 
that we may be ready to face the joy of new life. And as we pray our Father here in just a moment, we are mindful that our series is giving us new ways that we might seek to see your will and your face, O God. So as we speak these familiar words, open our hearts and our minds to the ways we are challenged, we are inspired and encouraged to seek new meaning, that we might be your children and know that we have a part to play as well. So let us lift up the words of the Lord's Prayer in this moment. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. your confidence cause I am yours I am yours you
As we gather at the table of communion this morning, I'm mindful that we as United Methodists believe that we experience and meet the presence of Christ at the table. But we also come as a way of preparation, especially during our Lenten season when we are talking about preparing the way through the wilderness to the cross and to new life. As Pastor Matt shared with us this morning, we are preparing our hearts to not only pray for God's will be done, but to pray for the heart of God and how we can be a part in building the kingdom here and now. So as we come forward this morning, I invite you to think about the ways that you might be gifted to be a part of that kingdom here. We not only come to be physically and spiritually nourished, but we come to be prepared to do the work once we leave this place. And so we are mindful that the night Jesus gave himself up for us, that he shared a special meal with his closest friends. And at that meal, he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat, for this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He also took the cup and as he blessed it and gave thanks to God, he passed it to his friends and said, drink from this, all of you. For this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for all for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Holy God, we ask that you would pour out your spirit upon each of us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup. May they be for us the body and blood of Christ that in partaking of it, we may be redeemed people ready to go out into the world to be a part of your shalom, to rid ourselves of the things that we are perhaps contributing to disrupting it and instead replace it with acts of kindness and mercy just as you show to us. So prepare our hearts now to receive these gifts that we may be physically and spiritually nourished. We may meet you at the table. We may be prepared to love and serve in all the ways that you show us. We ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Remind you that our table is an open table, which means you do not have to be a member of this or any congregation. We just ask that you come forward with an open heart, ready to experience the presence of God and to go forth and love neighbor and all you say and do. So we invite you to come forward. Please bring your connection card if you have that. If you have an offering this morning as well, place it in this basket. Also feel free to take time along the prayer railing, light a candle if you'd like. Spend this time in prayer, and it's your time with God. Come, the table is open.
stand and join us as we close in worship this morning. as it is a request. Go in peace.